What's up, everybody? How you doing? You just saw the title of the message. We're going to talk about how to be a ninja warrior today. It's going to be awesome. Um, we just had Veterans Day this past week, and we want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of our veterans. Amazing people. We love you guys so, so, so much. And I have missed you guys like crazy. I, I was here last week, but not on stage. And... Um, not that I love being on stage, but I love seeing your faces. And so it's so great to see you guys again. Pastor Lenny crushed it two weeks ago. Absolutely incredible. And Alex Sagat last week. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. So, so, so good. Um, what a prophetic message for our church. What a prophetic message. What a great message for the season of, of church that we've been in. And so, 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 so awesome. And uh, yo, John. Can you get these to stop flashing behind me? Thanks, bro. I got ADD while I'm speaking. So, um, uh, so yeah, so I'm so glad to be talking today, part three of Hold Fast series. And today I want to talk to you about how to be a ninja warrior, or more accurately, I would say how to be a uh, nin American gladiator ninja I don't know. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. Okay, we're going to name this message together as we go. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start with Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews says this. Hebrews says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Has anyone ever seen those obstacle course game shows, like American Ninja Warrior? American Ninja Warrior you got all these obstacles, you got all these athletes, these people who work on their grip, they work on their strength, they work on their upper body, their lower body, all this stuff, so that they can do these crazy obstacles. Here's some clips of just some fun wipeouts. It's just fun to watch people wipe out on this show. So satisfying. Now, there's two ways to watch this show, okay? Way number one is to watch it and to Hope that they make it. Okay, that's Shannon, okay? Way number two is to watch the show correctly, which is, <laughs> which is to like want the nastiest wipeout you can possibly have, right? Like this is so fun to watch people wipe out, right? And, um, and probably the type of people who want people to succeed are people who are like actually going to the gym and getting better at life and stuff. The people who want to watch them wipe out, it's like, look, you tried that hard and you still failed. So I'm not doing too bad, right? So two ways to watch this show. Um, life can sometimes feel like you are on an obstacle course from American Ninja Warrior. Um, sometimes you feel like you're going through all kinds of obstacles or troubles or trials. In fact, the Bible kind of tells us that life is like American Ninja Warrior. It says in John, it says that in this life, in this world, you will have trials and sorrows of many kinds. You will have troubles. You will have tribulation. You will have issues. Uh, the book of James says, count it all joy when you fall into trials of various kinds. When you fall into trouble, when you fall into circumstances, when you fall into what feels like obstacle course world. What I hate about this verse is that it says, 
Um, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, when you fall into troubles, when you fall into. Wouldn't it be great if it just said, if you fall into? Wouldn't it be great if it's like, I don't have to sign up for American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, but life is American Ninja Warrior. You are going to have trouble after trouble, trial after trial. Isn't that so encouraging? Right when you get after this trial, a new trial will begin. Right when you think, okay, I've mastered this part of the obstacle course, you will have another part of the obstacle course. It's super great. It's super awesome, American Ninja Warrior. But life isn't just American Ninja Warrior. It's worse than that. It's Wipeout. Has anyone seen the show Wipeout? (laughs) Wipeout is a step worse than American Ninja Warrior. Because Wipeout, you're doing the obstacle, but like if you grab the wrong door, you're going to get punched in the face right? Or if you step on the wrong thing, something's going to explode. Or if you do this or something, Wipeout is even more satisfying. If you just want to like enjoy your life, just watch Wipeout. Do we have clips of Wipeout? Okay, let's watch Wipeout. Oh. So good. Okay. We don't have the clip here this morning, but it's so good. There's this one segment where People are trying to guess which door to open, and if they guess the right door, they get through, and if they guess the wrong door, they just get punched in the face, like with a mechanical punching glove. Ah, oh, so good. Um, Wipeout. Life isn't just uh, American Ninja Warrior. Life is Wipeout. If you grab hold of the wrong thing, if you open the wrong door, there's like, there's like bad waiting for you. In fact, Genesis talks about this, right? Here's what Genesis says. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching out the door. You open the wrong door, sin. Isn't that fun? (laughs) Going through the obstacle course, having a good day, open the door. Oh, great, there's sin right there. Great, awesome. Crouching and waiting. Let's wipe out. But life isn't just American Ninja Warrior. It isn't just Wipeout. Has anyone ever seen American Gladiators? <laughs> oh, such a good show. This is on TV in like the 80s and 90s. And all these people are named the most ridiculous names ever, like Zap or like Blaze or Gemini, right? The, these Titans, whatever. You're not just going through an obstacle course. You have people in spandex up on the mountain shooting at you while you're going through the obstacle course. We have a couple clips of this, I think, and... Oh, yeah. Boom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Life isn't just an obstacle course. It's an obstacle course where if you open the wrong door, sin is crouching at the door, and you're getting shot at (laughs) by a guy in spandex named Gemini. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Tennis balls in my face. (laughs) Right? That's life. That is what life is. Um, I remember there was a season for us. Kenzie and I were having our second kid, Scout, and... Kenzie was nine months pregnant, about to pop at any second. 
and my in-laws said, we wanna take Story to Chuck E. Cheese. Now, I always let my in-laws take my daughters wherever they want to. The other day, they went to the movies together. They're great, you know, great grandparents, not great grandparents, they're great <laughs> grandparents, okay? And, um, and over the pandemic, there was like a dance recital and, and uh, she could only take two people because the crowd was limited and we're like, Story, who do you want? Mommy, daddy, who do you want to be the two? And she's like, um, Poppy, which is what she calls my father-in-law. And she's like, and I don't really care who else, just Poppy. <laughs> I'm like, so, so if you have a choice between like mom and, like you want mom and dad, right? And she's like, ah, Poppy and mom, I guess. I guess dad, I don't really know. Poppy, just Poppy. Poppy can come twice. He can use both tickets. <laughs> to my dance recital. They want to take him somewhere, no problem. It was like February and March and the stomach bug was going around and I was like, babe, they want to take her to Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I don't know if they should go to Chuck E. Cheese. And she's like, it'll be fine. They go to Chuck E. Cheese, she comes home 24 hours later, she's barfing her brains out, okay? So Kenzie is nine months pregnant and Story is throwing up and Scouts do at any moment and then Kenzie starts throwing up, okay? so. Nine months pregnant, in and out of bed, back, you know, just awful. And then, and then stories throwing up. And then I'm throwing up. So all of us are in one bed together because we're all trying to take care of each other. And we're all like just taking turns, holding the bucket for each other. And that's, that's what life is like, okay? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then we have Scout. So Scout is born, and we're like, oh, we're so glad we got that behind us. That's so great. We bring Scout home from the hospital, and when we get her home, uh, Story is kissing her on the face, and aren't you so glad you have this, this new baby sister, and you know, Story is not acting right. And I'm like, are you okay? And I touch her head, and she's got a fever. So I take her to the doctor. The doctor says she has the flu. Okay, so we have a brand new baby. And our other one has the flu. So we call the pediatrician and we're like, what do we do? And they're like, if your baby, why do doctors do this? <laughs> if your baby gets the flu, she's like just gonna die. Like that's just like how they talk to you. They talk to you like everything is like absolutely, so the end of the world. And so we're like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? So Kenzie's like, so we, we were living in this tiny house at the time and we, and, and we were all kind of up, up on top of each other and Story's got the flu, so what are we gonna do? So Kenzie says, hey, I'm gonna take Scout and I'm gonna go somewhere else. So she goes over to my parents' house, she goes to her parents' house, whatever. She's out of the house and she's taking care of Scout. She's like, it'll be fine, we'll take care, and I'll take care of Story. So I was home with Story and Story's got the flu and then a couple days later, Kenzie calls me and she says, hey, I don't feel good. So Kenzie gets the flu. She's been taking care of Scout. So I've had Story don't have the flu she has Scout, now she does have the flu. So we're like, what are we gonna do here? We call the pediatrician, whatever you do, don't let Scout get the flu. She's a newborn baby, it could be very bad. So I'm not even making this up. We drive our newborn baby to my cousin Blake and Allie's house and we leave Scout at her house for like a week because everyone's got the flu, except for me, but I don't, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> no truer statement has ever been said from this stage. 
Kyle, you could take care of her. No, she will die. <laughs> so she's at Blake and Allie's house, and I am literally shuttling breast milk to and from my house to their house. Well, not from their house. There was no breast milk coming from their house. But I was bringing breast milk to their house in these little bags that had labels on them. What date and time and what foods were eaten before the pumping and whatever the flavor breast milk it was, right? This is, this was Chick-fil-A an hour ago. This was, ah, uh, this is what life is like. So I'm bringing it to Allie's house and I've got like that extender grabber that I'm like handing it to her and she's like, we're good, you know, so um, it's crazy. So I have, I have friends, okay, they just got married recently and they go on their honeymoon and they're out of the, out of the country and they're getting ready to come home and as they're coming home, you have to get COVID tested before they test her, she's negative, they test him, he's positive. They say, you got 10 minutes, say goodbye. You're getting on a plane and going home and you're staying here in a room locked away for 10 days until, or until, until you test negative and then you can come back. This is what life is like. You just got married, honeymoon. We're, getting, we're, we're coming home, we're moving into our apartment together. We're doing, no, you're not. You're locked in this room for 10 days, right? This is what life is like. It's like, it's like, obstacle course, it's like challenge, it's like issue after issue. Um, there's times where I read the Bible and I'm just like, did anyone, did anyone ever have like a bad day in the Bible? Yes, you see it all the time. People had really, like really rough time. Like John the Baptist is getting his head cut off, right? That, that would be a bad day, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> There's people who go through stuff like that, okay? And David is a psalmist who's writing psalms, okay? He's writing songs to God. Now, we don't sing any of these kinds of songs on the stage. We sing like, God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. God, you're wonderful. I want to read Psalm 55, Psalm 55. Psalm 55, this is what David says. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. That would sing really well on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm restless and I'm moaning, God, right? Like, so awesome, wonderful. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me. They're shooting trouble at me. They're dropping trouble on me. And in anger, they bear a grudge against me. Oh, what a great worship song. Okay. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come, come upon me, uh, the, the, uh, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh that I, had, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Okay, David, you're getting a little emo there, okay? If I just had wings, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness, Selah. Okay, this is, to me, when I read this the other day, Selah made me start laughing because Selah means musical interlude. So he's like, oh, if I had wings, I would fly away. Now we're gonna go on a guitar ride. <laughs> Piano, whatever. 
If I had wings, I would fly away. Like, typically when you do a musical interlude, it's like, come on, let's worship God together. And like right now, we're doing a musical interlude after, if I only had wings, that I could fly away, right? And then he says this, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Okay, if there's any encouragement that I can give you this morning, it's that the people in the Bible get it. They get it. In fact, they probably get it more than you get it. Like, they get it. Like, you think that you have had a rough time? Try being John the Baptist at a dinner party, getting his head cut off, right? You think you're having a rough time? Try being David. You just killed Goliath for Israel. Like, everyone is singing your praises, and then the king is throwing a spear at you, right? You're getting attacked. You're, getting, you're having to flee. You're having to run. Like, the people in the Bible get it. They get that life is not easy. And sometimes we preach like life's going to be great. It's all going to be awesome. Everything's going to be wonderful. The people in the Bible are like, oh, if I had wings that I could fly away. Like really dramatic, right? Really like, you know, they, they understand the pain and the, all this stuff. It's like a game. Like we have to get through this obstacle course. Um, like why? Why are we doing this? Like why are we trying... And what I want to tell you here today is that, number one, you can get through the course, and you can get through it with success. Jasmine's excited about that. You guys are like, I'm not so sure yet. Okay. You can get through the course, and you can, you can come out the other side victorious, number one. Okay. Number two, uh, this whole thing is designed for us to strengthen our grip on the right things and loosen our grip on the wrong things. There are troubles that we encounter in life that are just a fluke, right? Well, she got the flu, and then this person, that just person tested positive, and this happened and that happened, all that stuff. So those, those are just a fluke. There are troubles that we face in our life because we grabbed hold of the wrong door, like in Wipeout, and we got punched in the face. There are troubles that we face in our life where friends or family or people who used to be support to you all of a sudden are now up on their hill shooting at you every single day, right? There are troubles that we face of various kinds, but the Bible says that we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. The Bible says that we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. He says in the book of James, he says that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. In other words, this journey of life that we're all on, this obstacle course, this American ninja warrior, while we're getting shot at with tennis balls, while we're getting punched in the face, all of that stuff can actually make us into steadfast believers in Jesus. It can make us into people who do not waver. In other words, our life around us can be shaking all the time, and yet we are on firm foundation. So I want to give you three points today about how we can win this game, how we can get through this obstacle course. These points are so simple, but they are not easy, okay? When I say that, I mean they're so simple. Like, they're basic, easy to understand, easy to grasp hold of, but they're not they're not easy. They're, they're, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of times that, ha that is how life is, right? I'll give you a for, in uh, a for instance. Um, 
when my wife and I are mad at each other or fussing at each other. The way out is not hard, or it's not complicated, but it's not easy. So the way out, it's not complicated. I'm sorry, but it's not easy. My pride is like, don't say those words. Don't say that, don't apologize, right? It's not complicated, but it's not easy because there are things that are holding me back from just apologizing. Just say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, right? Instead, well, you, right? Or, or if, you're, if you're in trouble at work or if this or that, a lot of times the way out is not complicated, but it is not easy. Our pride gets in the way. Our judgment gets in the way. Our own problems. So here's step number one, okay, of how we're going to survive the obstacle course of American Ninja Warrior or American Gladiator, right? Number one, you've got to make sure we're holding on to the right thing. If you watch American Ninja Warrior, what you see is a lot of times if they grab hold of the wrong thing or if they, you know, wipe out, if you open the wrong door or if you pull the wrong thing, you're going to get punched in the face. <laughs> it's not going to be stable. It's not going to be secure. But if you grab hold of the right thing, then, man, you will be, you'll be okay. You'll get through it. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be good to go. Grab hold of the right thing. Here's the reality about your life and my life. You are holding on to something. You are holding on to something. I am holding on to something. What is that thing that I'm holding on to? And I want to ask you this question. Maybe you can write this down. Maybe you can think about this. What is your worst nightmare? What is the thing that if I lost that, man, I, I don't even know if I'd want to live anymore if I lost that. Or if, man, if that happened, I don't even know if I'd want to be alive anymore. Chances are, whatever that answer is, that's the thing that you're grabbing hold of. That's the thing that you're putting your trust in. That's the thing that you're putting your hope in. But Kyle, you don't understand. Like, I had a really good answer there. I, I, I said, um, you know, my wife or my kids or my family or whatever, you know, if I lost that, then I wouldn't want to live anymore. That makes sense, right? That's reasonable. Um, but man, if that's the thing I'm putting my trust or my faith in, if that's the thing that I'm grabbing hold of, if that's the thing that I'm holding on to, it's, it's not going to fare well for me or the thing that I'm trying to hold on to. A lot of times parents do this with their kids. They grab hold of their kids and they put all their trust and all their faith in their kids and they kind of worship their kids to some degree. Their whole life revolves around their kids. And is it good to serve your kids? Absolutely. Is it good to raise them as a, you know, as a mature parent? Aren't you supposed to bring maturity to your kids? Absolutely. Is your life meant to be revolved around your children? Absolutely not. And if you make them into gods and you worship them as gods in your life, they will punch you in the face when, you, when they get older. And it will rattle you and it will shake you because you were not holding on to a firm foundation. You were holding on to something that was never meant to be your God. What are you holding on to? There's one theologian who says all uh, idols that we worship are not necessarily bad things in themselves. They are good things that we have elevated into God things. They're not necessarily bad things in, a, in and of themselves. Is family a good thing? Yes. Is career a good thing? Yes. Right? Is, is money a good thing? As long as it doesn't have you? Yes. Like, it's resource. It's Jasmine. Money and favor in Jesus' name. <laughs> um, 
Is money a good thing? Yeah! Um, is, you know, pleasure or friendship or all these things, they're not bad things in and of themselves. But when we love them above our love for God, when we elevate them to God's status, it messes stuff up. A lot of times we look down on those stupid people from 2,000 years ago, those Romans and those Greek people and all those people who worshipped all these fake idols and, you know, Artemis and Zeus and Hera and all these different gods and God Demetrius, all these, all these different people. Like, why were they worshipping these gods? You know what they were worshipping? The god of money, the god of fertility, the god of pleasure, the god of we worship the same things today. We just don't call them by the same names, right? We worship the God of career. We worship the God of fertility. We worship the God of, of, of you know, we, when our entire life becomes, my entire value is on whether I can have a kid or not. My entire value is on, uh, you know, my children being little angels or, or, or whatever. You know, my, my entire value. Whenever we do that, that's what you're really grabbing onto. That's what you're really holding on to. Now, I want a healthy, awesome marriage. I want good finances. I want health. I want vitality. I want all these different things. I don't want them uh, in a way that that's all I'm holding on to. I'm holding on to Jesus. Holding on to Jesus. Because when we hold on to Jesus, all those other things get properly ordered in our life. When I'm holding on to Jesus, I can actually properly love my wife. When I'm holding on to Jesus, I can properly love my kids. When I'm holding on to Jesus, I can properly serve my church. I can properly handle my finances. I can properly, when Jesus is the thing that I'm holding on to, it's gotta be the thing I hold on to. So many of our troubles in life are brought on by our own doing. Just like Genesis said, sin is crouching at the door. It's waiting. So many of our troubles, some of them are just, they just happen. And some of them are because we opened the door and we got punched in the face. Every time you worship an idol, it will demand a sacrifice of you. If you worship the idol of career, your family will pay the price. If you worship the idol of pleasure, your liver will pay the price. Come on, somebody, drinking too much alcohol, whatever it is. If you're, if whatever it is, whatever you're worshiping and elevating to the ultimate status, you will pay a sacrifice. When you worship Jesus, you will also pay a sacrifice. In, in Romans, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is holy and acceptable. When you worship Jesus, you will offer a sacrifice. But that sacrifice is going to bring about good in your life not pain and hurt and misery. It's a necessary sacrifice. It's like the sacrifice of, you know, when you're working out and you feel that pain in your muscle or you feel that that's part of the growing process. It's part of the strengthening process. But it is not, it's not pain that will harm you and kill you. It's pain that will make you stronger and grow you. You will pay a sacrifice for whatever God you worship. I want to worship a God who returns relationship with me, right? It's, I'm not just following after the career and the career is just mindlessly punching me in the face. I am following after Jesus. 
who the Bible says if you come to him, you must believe that he, is, that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does that mean? That means that I am serving a God. I am holding on to a God that, number one, is real. He actually exists. He is actually God. And number two, I'm serving a God who is a rewarder of those who seek. We think that career will reward us if we seek it. It won't. It will punch us in the face. We think that our children will reward us if we worship them as gods. They won't. They will punch us in the face. We think that our marriage or our finances, anything other than Jesus is sinking sand. It is not worth holding on to. So what are you holding on to? Now, if we're going to hold on to Jesus, we have to let go of some other things. You don't hold on to Jesus with one hand. You hold on to Jesus with everything you have. Story just did this the other day. We were out and she said, Dad, do that thing where I hold on to you and you don't hold me. I was like, okay. So I had her, I had her and she was holding on to me. She's so tiny. She can't wrap her legs around me. She can't. So she's essentially just death choking me with her arms, right? And she's holding on as tight as she can. And she thinks it's so cool that I'm, you know, I'm not holding on to her and she's holding on to me. And she's like, how long can we do this? But when we hold on to Jesus, we look like story. Wrap around him with everything you have. <laughs> I said, story, can you hold this for me? And she said, no, I'm holding you. I can't hold that. When you hold on to Jesus, no, I can't hold that. I'm holding you. I can't hold that. <laughs> I have this problem, I have that problem, but I can't hold it because all of my energy is going to holding on to you. All of it. So there's times where we're holding on to things, but we've gotten creative with how we're holding on to it. We're not holding on to it with our hands or our legs or whatever. We're, we, we got a backpack, okay? We got a backpack, and I'm gonna put it on my back, uh, on my back and I'm gonna put some grudges in there I'm gonna put some bitterness in there. I'm gonna put what happened to me. I'm gonna put it in there and I'm gonna carry it around and it's gonna weigh me down. It's gonna feel like I'm available to hold on to other things, but it's weighing me down and it's pulling me back and it's holding me down and it's holding me back. Listen, I don't care how creative you get, all of your energy has to go towards holding on to Jesus. All of it, all of it. It's not God and, it's God and nothing else. Thomas Aquinas said, he was a writer, he, he was a theologian, he wrote for God and he was at a communion service one day and he looked up and he saw a crucifix and Jesus was on the cross and he said he heard a voice from that crucifix, it wasn't literally from the crucifix, but he looked up and he heard a voice that said, Aquinas, you have written well of me, what would you have as your reward? And he said, in return, he said, only yourself, my Lord. We have this attitude like, I'm going to serve God so that he brings me money. I'm going to serve God so that he blesses my marriage. I'm going to serve God so that he, nope, you still don't understand. Jesus is the reward. He is my all in all. He is everything. So now in my relationship with my wife, I'm not putting any weight on her to be God in my life. I'm not putting any weight on my kids to be God in my life. I'm not putting any weight on my career to be God in my life. All of my weight is on Jesus. That's who I'm holding on to. Um, 
The Bible says that we're to strip off every weight that so easily holds us back, the sin that so easily entangles us, and to run the race with endurance towards Jesus. All of our energy, all of our focus, I'm holding on to Jesus. Number two, number two, number two. Not only do we have to hold on to the right things, we have to strengthen our grip. You need to strengthen your grip. Your, your grip needs to be so tight on God that nothing can come along and cause you to loosen and let go. And hmm, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll pursue this. There's a story in the Bible about a man called the rich young ruler. Okay, three things that all of us would love to have, right? I'm rich, I'm young, and I'm in charge, <laughs> right? That's what, oh, rich young ruler. Doesn't that sound awesome? The rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? They have a conversation, and then he says this. Jesus responds, and he says, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and come and follow me. Now, a lot of people take this passage and they say, it is unbiblical to have money. It is unbiblical to be rich. It is unbiblical. There's all kinds of stories throughout the Bible, though, where Jesus had a different remedy to that person, or he had a different response to that person. But underneath it all, it's the same response to all of us. Whatever thing you are currently holding on to that is your God, get rid of it and come and follow me. So the rich young ruler could not grab hold of Jesus because he would not let go of rich young ruler. And because he wouldn't let go of that, he wouldn't grab hold of Jesus. But what happens when I've already grabbed hold of Jesus? What does the devil do? What, is, what does the enemy do? What, how, do how do we get sidetracked at that point? When I'm already grabbing hold of Jesus, what happens at that point? A lot of times at that point, the devil doesn't try to tempt us with stuff that he knows we're going to resist. He tempts us with the very thing he thinks will cause us to loosen our grip and try this other thing. So the devil doesn't tempt you with, let go of Jesus and let me give you bankruptcy and dirty diapers to change every day. And <laughs> doesn't that sound amazing? No, the devil doesn't tempt you with that. In fact, um, if you open up a piano and you sing into the piano, the note that you're singing will vibrate the same string for that note. So if you sing a note and that string starts vibrating, that's the note that you're singing. One theologian said that what the devil does in our life is he sings the one note that makes your heart string vibrate. He's not gonna sing a note that doesn't make your heart string vibrate. He's gonna sing the note that makes you go, hmm, let me think about that. Let me consider that. Let me look to that. Let me try that. What God wants in your life and mine is he wants our grip to get tighter and tighter on Jesus. That nothing, no offer, no, no, you know, no, man, what about this and what about that? will loosen our grip on Jesus. You're standing in a worship service. You got your hands raised. God, Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for blessing my finances. It's all yours. I give it all to you. It all belongs to you. It's all yours. And then you get to work the next day. 
He doesn't tempt you with like some crazy, what he tempts you with is you just had a moment with God where God says, I want you to give more. I want you to be more generous. I want you to give your time. I want you to give to your family. I want you to give more focus to your family. You just had this moment with God. And then Monday you walk in and congratulations, we want to give you a promotion. Now listen, not all promotions are a bad thing, but if you are worshiping the God of career, it might actually be a very enticing thing to say, oh, well, this is more money. That's a good thing, right? This is awesome. This is great. Well, time out, time out, time out. Like, have you asked God about that? Have you asked God, yeah, it's more money, but like, is that what life is? Like, it's just money? Like, what about the time that you have with your family? Or what about the time that you have with your church? Or what about the time, like, what is, what is God doing in my life? What I'm not saying here is don't take the promotion. What I am saying here is if my, if my grip is on God and God alone, then God is gonna be the one that I'm gonna consult on, hey, what, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to, um, oh yeah, let me just loosen. Oh man, that would be really good. That would give us a lot of wiggle room here and then we would have this. And you start to trust that thing again instead of trusting God. You start to run after that instead of running after God. Now, it could be whatever for you. I, I, I was having a walk one time. I was, I was walking and praying in my neighborhood. And um, Have you ever done that thing where you're walking and you have this really weird, creepy feeling of like, my feet are moving, but like, I'm not thinking about it. Has anyone had that before? I was walking and I had one of these weird things. It's like, I do this sometimes. Kenzie, Kenzie will walk into the bathroom and I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, I have a face, like, and I can see it. Like, has anyone ever looked in a mirror and you're like, that's me. Like, I don't ever see that. Like, I see this, I don't see that. Like, anyone else have these weird existential problems in your life? I was walking and I was like, my feet are moving and like, I'm not thinking about it. And you know what's happened? My brain already told my feet where to go and then we go on autopilot and we do it. I asked myself this question, and I felt like God dropped it to me in prayer. If I set you on a path or set you on a journey, how far off the path would I have to put just a little enticement for you to stop what you're doing and try this little detour? In other words, how far off the path would I have to put just, just a little bit of like, you know, a cupcake, okay? <laughs> You're walking and, ooh, Kyle likes cupcakes. We're gonna put a cupcake right here. How far off the path would I have to put that for you to stop what you're doing and try that? Here's what the devil does. We're on our, we're on our journey. We're serving God. We're faithful to God. He puts something just right there. And then you turn, and then he puts it just right here. Well, that's not too much further. And then you turn, and he puts it just right here. And then you go a little further. And before long, you're holding on to something entirely different. He sings the very note that makes your heart string vibrate. So what we have to do is we have to strengthen our grip. We have to lock hold on Jesus. Uh, I'm going to read James chapter 1 to you. James chapter 1 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I love this so much. The desire of God for your life and for my life is that we would be lacking in nothing. He wants us to, he wants us to be complete he wants us to be mature in our faith. He wants us to be 
You know, but what God knows is that you were designed for God. When you latch hold of God and when you're holding on to God, you will become perfect and complete and lacking nothing. But if you latch on to anything else, God plus nothing is everything. Everything without God is nothing. All the money in the world, all the success in the world, all the praise in the world, all the glory in the world, it's nothing. So when God says he wants you to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing, man, those tests, those trials, they strengthen our trust in God. And as we get more strong in our grip on Jesus, he matures us, he grows us, he makes us perfect and complete and lacking nothing. I want my steadfastness to grow. I want my steadfastness to grow. You know, when I think about just life, when I think about tough times that Kenzie and I have gone through, when I think about seasons, when I think about, um, you know, situations in life, when I think about, uh, you know, I was, I was in church and I was serving and, you know, and, and this was all great. And then we had this challenge and we had this issue or this friend who, you know, kind of became a, a, uh, a, a, an accuser or this thing or that thing. All that stuff hurts. It's painful. It's awful. But guess what? I'm supposed to count that all as joy. So when I go through tough seasons, when you go through tough seasons, what we want to do is, I don't like this. Get me out of this, God. And what God is actually doing is he's strengthening our grip. He's making us steadfast. He's making us say, I don't need those other things. All you're doing, God, is you're proving to me, by allowing that trial in my life, you're proving to me that you are my all in all, that all those other things are sinking sand. That all those people, all those things, all those seasons, all that money, all that, whatever thing that you had that you lost, all you're doing to me, God, is proving that you are God, that these things are not God, that, you know, so what God wants to do is he wants to strengthen our grip. I'm going to land the plane with this right here. Number three, if we're going to get through this effectively, we need some divine intervention. Okay, we need divine intervention. We're on this obstacle course. We're on this journey. It's, it's challenging. Right when you think you mastered this, you have a new challenge. Right when you think you get through that, you have a new challenge. We prayed for them earlier today. Um, but, uh, you know, triplets. This one's sick. That one's sick. This one's in a hospital. This one, I mean, like, challenge after challenge after challenge. And you think, okay, I just got through it. Okay, finally, things are going to get better. Okay, finally, things... All those trials were supposed to be counting as joy. It's supposed to, uh, it's not that it's God doing that to us. The Bible actually kind of, in the book of James, makes it sound like what the devil means for temptation, God allows as a trial. In other words, the devil's coming after us with a temptation, but God is allowing a trial in our life so that we choose Jesus again, a firm grasp, right? Man, God, I just, this person, this just happened, and then we just got through this, and we just got through this, and it's again, and it's again, and it's again. Listen, you're gonna hold on to Jesus, you're gonna hold on with all you got, but I have such good news for you today. He's holding on to you. He is holding on to you. You need some divine intervention. 
I'm going to get through this, if I'm going to get through this obstacle course, if I'm going to come out alive, if I'm going to get out on the other side, if I'm going to make it through this trial, I need some divine intervention. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. I have a really bad habit of starting stuff and then like not finishing it, which is why I surround myself with people who finish things. <laughs> uh, one of my best buddies, Chase, right? Chase works with me in the church and I'll start a project and he makes sure that we finish the project. And it is Chase's birthday today and he loves that I just said that. Happy birthday, Chase. 26, you're on your own insurance now. Get out. Um, I have a bad habit. I, in fact, I would say in our, in our work relationship, me and Chase, I'm the author of the thing and he's the finisher of the thing. Jesus is the author and the finisher. He doesn't start you on something that he is not going to complete. The best part of Hebrews, that Hebrews chapter 10 that we just read, is for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. You gotta hold on to Jesus, you gotta hold on to him with all your might, you gotta strengthen your grip, but guess what? He's holding on to you as well. He's got you. He's holding on to you. Man, when you feel like you're gonna slip, man, we've got a God who's gonna grab hold of you just as you're grabbing hold of him. He's gonna grab hold of you. He's gonna pull you up. He's gonna lift you up. There's so many verses where we say, um, in this life you will have many troubles, but take heart for Jesus has overcome the world. The person we're holding on to and the person who's holding on to us isn't gonna let us just start the thing. We will finish the thing. If God began a faith in you, if he began a good work in you, if he set you on a path, if he set you on a, a journey, God will see you through to completion. Be faithful. Hold on to him. Hold on to him with all you have. Pray, worship, seek, run after him. Everything that you have, hold on to Jesus. But Jesus is holding on to you. He's holding on to you. I just want to encourage people here today. You might feel like right now you're going through an obstacle course. I feel like in so many ways, you know, just a journey of life, obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Anyone ever see that movie, Brave Little Toaster? I made my parents in front of me take the VHS and pull all of the guts out of the VHS and smash it because that movie, I hate that movie. It's like, it's like we're on, a, we're on a bus. Oh no, we fell off the bus into, um, oh, we're good, it's just sand. Oh no, it's quicksand. Oh, now we're falling into the quicksand. Oh, but good, we just got saved. We didn't get saved. The guy who saved us takes parts of things apart and he's about to take toasters apart and he's about to do all this stuff. It's like that movie is bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. So many times we feel like that that's our life. That's our life. Bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. You will have many trials, but take heart for I have overcome the world. God's gonna get you through. He's gonna see you through. You will make it through. 
I had this verse on my mind this morning. Pastor John Norman came in, in July and he preached and he said, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see um, the faithfulness of God in the land of the living, right? And the goodness of God in the land of the living. You will see the goodness of God. You will. Hold on to Jesus. You will see the goodness of God. He will be faithful. He will see you through. You will prosper. You will not stumble. You will not fail. You will prosper. Every weapon formed against you will be turned around. It will not prosper. It will not work. The Bible says, uh, there's, there's a verse that says, those who trouble you, I will trouble them. Woo. God's got you. Don't let go of God to try to handle the situation yourself. Hold on to God, he will be faithful. Hold on to God, he will be faithful. I'm gonna pray a prayer over you. God, I thank you right now for Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. God, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. His prize, his, the thing that he was getting out of it was, was us. He was buying us. He was dying for us, to have a relationship with us, to be made right in Jesus. And God, I thank you that you endured the cross, that you died and rose again, that no matter how hard my trial might be right now, you've overcome all of it. You have already overcome the world. You've already won the victory. You're already working on my behalf. So God, right now, I, 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 I let go of other things. I hold on to Jesus. I strengthen my grip. And I trust that he who promised is faithful. Not going to shrink back. Not going to back off. Not going to stop praising, not going to stop singing, not going to stop worshiping, not going to stop serving, not going to stop being generous and giving and blessing and speaking life, not going to back down, not going to shrink down. I'm holding on to Jesus for dear life. And he who promised is faithful. Thank you. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said, Amen. Amen.